Hello, everyone. Welcome along to the March episode of the Town Supporters Trust podcast. I'm Kev, a regular host as always, and I'm joined by the usual gang. I've got the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe with me. I've got Trust Chairman Tony Murray and Town fan Dan Barrett Davis. Gents, trust you're all well? Yeah, all good, good, thanks. Yeah, doing well, mate. Excellent. Okay, let's timestamp this. Wednesday night we're recording this. So if Chris Wilder isn't the Watford manager by the time it's released, uh, that's down to them. It's not down to us. Uh, uh, Gents, you'll be pleased to know I'm not charging you for food or anything like that. So you don't get paid anyway. So it's tough shit, really. Uh, We crack on as is. Um, Well, it's not been a bad month, has it, really, to be fair? You know, odd result here and there that could have been better, but in the main. Managed to move up to fifth in the table. Uh, haven't certainly haven't dropped any ground on those that we want to chase, and we've put a little bit of a gap between us and a certain team that comes to town next month. So uh, all good. Let's start off, James. With actually, I'll start off with um, you, Dan, because I know you was at the Coventry game. Yeah. Um, as starts go, that was a pretty decent one. Forty seconds in, thank God it was. As I said in the pre-show between us all, that drum was already doing my tits in. So for um, <laughs> That to be shut up after 40 seconds, that was fantastic. But probably two points that got away given that start. Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean you could wish for a better start, could you? I mean, the, the new, I've noticed we've started games by knocking it straight back to Horvath. If he boots it up and we win a throw-in or somebody gets knocked, somebody gets the tee in the face, um, which is decent. But the result in throwing, nice cross from Doughty. And Lockie's in the right place at the right time. I mean, he's, he must have some stamina to get up from centre-half within a minute and a half to get there to fire, fire away. I, I think it was the faintness of touches, but it doesn't matter how they go in, it went in. Um, didn't really do much after that, I don't think. And then chances seemed to be few and far between. I thought the first half we edged it. Um, you know, they started to come into it a bit. I thought we struggled a little bit with Giocarez up top. He's been a bit of a menace for many defences. I think Osho struggled with him to start with. Um, but as the game grew, I think Osho sort of grew into that and, like made him made it a bit a bit easier for himself rather than rather than trying to go in at him all the time. He'd sort of step off and let him move and then then make the challenge. And I think Gokra struggled once Osho worked him out. Um second half, it was a bit more even. Coventry had a bit a bit more control over large parts. Um I didn't ra- realise when the, the guy had been sent off that he'd already been booked because I thought the way that he had to um, I can't remember who it was now, it was, but it was definitely, you know, it was definitely uh, sending off a fence, really. Um, Woodrow had a couple of glorious opportunities at the end. I was sat behind that goal in the home end because courtesy of my sister getting me free tickets. Um, thank you, my sister. Um, had brilliant opportunities, keeper saved really well. Thought Pelly was brilliant. Nakamba was marvellous, and I was coming on to him later. Bell and Doughty on the out wide. I liked how they linked up and caused Comte a lot of problems. Um, Lockyer and Burt were solid. Uh, you could look at it as two points dropped, but I think you know, a point away from home, especially someone like that, is good. And no, no, um, no complaints over the penalty really, because I'd have felt Giocarez would have battered that away anyway. You know, I mean, he, he could have skied it. You don't know, but Osho's learning with that. I know he's, he's took a couple of games in a row where he's given away stupid penalties, but um, on the whole, yeah. Good, good result, and I, I predicted a draw beforehand, so I'm quite happy with that. I've let you have that Nakamba is marvellous gag. That's it. That's it. No more of them um, 
for the rest of this one, please. Uh, <laughs> it's too obvious. We'll, uh, we'll we'll come up with some better ones for uh, that for the remainder of the podcast. I should just say we're on Zoom tonight, so if you do hear a little bit of crackling or anything with the sound, we are not taking on the beast from the east or whatever they're calling it. We are firmly on Zoom this evening. Uh, James, uh, Dan said they're not sure about two points dropped at Coventry, but there is absolutely no doubt that it was two points dropped at Preston. An absolute battering was what we gave them, and somehow they came out with a 1-1 draw. Yeah, I mean, it seems to be the sort of way that it has happened at home a lot of the time this season, although things have improved under Rob Edwards, obviously. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, when when they got uh, Whiteman sent off with, um, what was it, 40 minutes to go still, and then Carl Morris uh, sticks one in the net <clears throat> with even less time to go. Then you thought it was um, so it was done and dusted. Then I don't know how they've managed to come away with a point. Uh, well, apart from the fact that Troy Parrott stuck it in from from the spot, but um, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> for a little period there, wasn't it? It was um, it was only uh, it was penalties that were doing looting in, and that was a start of it really. So um, yeah, Preston very lucky to come away with with a point there. Um, uh, yeah, hopefully that sort of bad luck is, is over with now. We'll come on to it later, but you, you look at the Coventry red card, which was a red card, like Dan said. You look at the Preston red card, again, was a red card. There's one later in the month. How the fuck that's not a red card? I have no idea. Uh, we'll come on to that. Uh, Elijah James took a bit of stick that night. He, to be fair, he missed two very, very guilt-edged chances. But... Ultimately, if he scores every single chance he has, A, he doesn't play for Luton, B, he's in the Premier League, and C, he's probably Lionel Messi-esque, isn't he? It's, <laughs> he's he's going to miss chances, but the main thing is that he's in there to miss the chances. Yeah, I mean, one of them was a, a particularly bad one. Maybe he should have at least got it on target, but, <clears throat> you know, he's still young and raw, and he'll go through periods where he doesn't miss, and then he'll go through periods of this uh, where where he does, I suppose, but... You're right. It's he's got to be in those positions, and I've got no qualms with it, anything he's doing uh, outside of goal scoring chances. I think um, you know there's a lot of scrutiny on him at the beginning of the season, but even then, I thought he was doing the, the basic stuff well. He just couldn't hit the net. So um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be highlighted when you don't get the result that you obviously deserved, but. Um, you know, the, for the stuff that he does do for the team, um, uh, I think it sort of kind of outweighs it. And when you've got two strikers and at least one of them is playing well, then, you, then you're doing okay. Yeah, you are indeed. And Morris also missed a couple of chances before he scored as well. So it wasn't all on Elijah, albeit uh, those chances did look particularly bad and obviously made to look bad with a penalty, which was never a penalty in a month of Sundays. I don't give a shite what any law says. You cannot lift your hand and your foot without one moving and not the other. So um, I can see why Lockie was particularly pissed off with that. Tony, let's move on. Uh, Burnley, the lead leaders. I mean, I feared that we was going to be on the wrong end of a bit of a toweling, considering the effort that we put in on the Wednesday night. The fact Burnley played the day before and uh, the fact that they're a bloody good side. But actually, we restricted them to nothing. I think Horvath saved a free kick that I'm not convinced was going in in the first half, and our penalty demons arrived again in the second half. Um, but really, apart from that, it was a pretty even game. It was. I, I thought we played extremely well. 
Um, a good performance. We matched them. I, I think we were unlucky, you know, not to get at least a point. Um, you know, but it's a typical Luton thing, isn't it? When we play a side like that, that's near the top, and you're all fearing that you're going to get stuffed, but Luton turn it on. It's against teams from lower down the, the division that we struggle. But no, we, we, we didn't look out of place. I, I think Burnley can consider themselves very, very fortunate in that game. Um, you know, it, we, we just didn't have the rub of the green. And, you know, it, it, especially leading up to their goal, um, there was a definite uh, definite free kick we should have had the other way for handball that we weren't given. And once again, you, you, you've got to question the standard of referees. Um, it seems to be a consistent problem. You know, you, you, you go to a game and you think you've seen the worst one and then along comes another one to take that bar down just a little bit lower. Um, you know, but we, we, I know all, all, all teams are, 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 you know, moan and, and, and suffer, but some of the decisions that they give are, are, are so inexplicable, not just against us, against the opposition you know you, you you guys must have seen it in games where we'll get a free kick and you think what the hell was that for yeah you know and, and, and you're left you're left scratching your head but I, I came away from that that game against Burnley not disappointed at all I, I, I'm very proud of them the way they played and you know if, if you'd been a, a neutral that didn't know anything about either either club you, you'd have come away from that wondering well which which team are the league leaders? You know, yep. I, I thought, you know, I was very proud of them at the end of it and not disheartened or disappointed by it. It just showed it, showed me just how far we've come. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and um, we will do a whole thing about referees in part two of this podcast, actually, because mm. they played the whole month that we're discussing and, you know, uh, it needs to be singled out. So we will come on to all of the refereeing decisions, not least because in that Burnley game, it's cost us 10 grand as well for no apparent reason. Mm. Um, <laughs> the other the other good thing about that Burnley game, actually, and we gave credit for um, Mr. Loyal McBeal for doing this when QPR were here earlier in the season. Vincent Company was very, um, very good about what he said about us and not all opposition managers are. So um, credit to him for that. And like he said, it would be fantastic if uh, Premier League managers are down here next season, sampling the Kenny atmosphere, as Rob Edwards said, uh, meet the manager uh, last night. Uh, Dan, game after that, Birmingham away. I have to say <laughs> I feared the worst here because our record against them, uh, I mean, shit doesn't even do it justice. <laughs> but the only thing that was shit that day was Birmingham, thankfully. And uh, yeah. we were... Well, we were deserved winners. We'll cover the Colton Morris incident in the next part of the podcast. Um, yeah. That was absolutely horrendous. But it was him that, before he got maimed, uh, managed to get on the score sheet. Brilliant header. Yet again, brilliant cross from Alfred Doughty. I mean, this bloke's left yeah. foot is a wand. And um, obviously, a few days after we had Alfie on the podcast, uh, which we really appreciate his time uh, giving me that ahead of that game. Brilliant cross. Brilliant header. Brilliant performance, deserved victory. Definitely. And, um, you know, like you said, going into that, I was a bit anxious. I know a couple of Birmingham City supporters and they were they were a bit um, sort of dreading facing us because of how good we've been and how shit they've been. Um, and 
I've, I've got to be honest, I was the same as you. You know, we, we have a crap record there and I expected it to continue because I said no matter how crap they are, they all seem, or how good we are, we all seem to get turned over. Um, thankfully, it wasn't the case. You know, we've managed to overturn last year's 8-0 eight, eight aggregate into a 1-0 aggregate over two games. So that's that's a massive plus. Um, did wonder whether we were watching rugby or Quidditch at times. Such as the ball up in the air, and some of the tackles are up in the air as well. Um, What's uh, uh, I, I kind of know, but what, the, what is Quidditch? It's Harry game Potter. on Harry Potter. Basically, oh. the, the the thing that you're chasing around is up in the air all the time, and there's basically a bit like rugby and Quidditch. Bit like rugby, and that, that was the joke. So, rugby. I shouldn't have to explain that. <laughs> I thought and it was Harry Potter, but no idea. So we can send James to a culture club so that he can get back, <laughs> get up to the, up to speed with the world. I mean, I I've, I haven't seen all of the films either, but anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I, I felt do you know what we had to dig our heels in a bit as well because Birmingham had no intention of playing football. That was apparent from the first kick of the game. You know, they they just weren't there to play football, and they've got people like Hogan and. Uh, is it Hogan up front and Jukovic who just want to bully they're, they're not interested in playing football they just want to bully and rough people up and I've got no problem with that really if it works which clearly for them being in the bottom six or whatever wherever they are is clearly working well for them um, we mentioned Doughty being superb uh, I thought Cody Jarmay had one of his better games for the town as well uh, I felt the midfield were in control in that you know we didn't I don't remember them having a real threat on goal, a real chance. I think anything they did have was even, you know, was probably even a half chance at absolute best. So I felt it was an all round. So those are the games that are going to define your season sometimes when when things aren't pretty, if you like. And I felt that we we, we managed the game well, we controlled things well. Shame we had to lose Burke in that game as well for injury. Um, but all in all, yeah, good performance. And um, their manager's a total bell end as well. So Well he did play for Watford on however many occasions that he played for Watford, mm. so that kind of goes without without saying. Um yeah, uh, full props to Pelly for dropping in at centre half in that game after Burke got injured, thirty five minutes up yep. against two lumps to uh, and we still kept a clean sheet yesterday at the crossbar, but that's pretty much all they did in that game. And we had chances to win by a lot more than what we did, um, but didn't take them. Uh, another pretty physical game followed that, James, home to Millwall. Um, there was a time where in the Championship, if Luton Town went behind, we could all stroll off and uh, take our disappointment elsewhere. It's not the case no more, though. When this club goes behind now, they roll their f- um, sleeves up and uh, they keep on going. And uh, if there was a reward for perseverance, Luke Berry delivered it. Yeah, he did. And it's just as well, really, because uh, what happened in the fourth minute uh, shut everyone up for a little bit, didn't it? It's, um, I mean, you can't account for those sorts of things, but it's that's, a, that's an absolute howler. Uh, it's a decent hit, but it's straight at him. So uh, I don't know how Ethan and all of that slept that in. Um, but uh, yeah, Luton came back after that. They were the better side for pretty much the whole game. Millwall felt like they were last ditch defending all the time and they did a very good job I have to give them credit and you have to have a sort of begrudging respect for the way that they did defend but um, yeah it was all Luton Luton did all the play and they had all the ball um, and you know eventually forced it in um, 
Elijah obviously on, on target there. It's a difficult finish that actually because it's that sort of kind of volley in with the outside of his boot or flick it. Um, I thought Jarmay had scored first time around. Well, but... that was that's what made it so hard, wasn't it? He? he could yeah. easily have just switched off thinking that Jarmay had scored. Because, yeah, because that was a worldly yeah. save. To be fair to the bloke, I mean, it was chalk and cheese. The two goalkeepers that night, wasn't it? But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing we were saying about earlier. He has to be in the right place to get him, and that was a very vital finish. Um, with enough time and in front of Kenny as well, just with enough time to to really push. And uh, at that point, when it went in, the the noise around the place was such that you thought, "Wow, well, something's going to happen here." Again, credit to Millwall. They sort of stifled Luton, stifled the life out of Luton after that point. And I thought, oh, this is going to, this is going to slip away. Um, you know, particularly considering before that, Bradshaw had scored when Honeymoon was offside by, you know, a good yard and a half, I would say. Um, shocking decision, really. I know we're going to talk about referees and stuff there, but what hopes have anyone got if none of them are spotting that? It's, it's bizarre um, uh, for him to stick that in. But yeah, um, Luke Berry, bit of habit doing that, isn't he? He's rescued a point against Rotherham last last ditch and um, come up with that one. It's a fabulous strike, really, under pressure. And the one time that Millwall weren't, you know, two, two men to every Luton attacker or throwing themselves in, in the way, then it was great that it fell to him because you always feel that he's got a goal in him. And um it's unlucky on him, I'd say, really, because he has been fit. That um, it's it's probably just selection that that Jordan Clark and Pelly have been so outstanding this season that he's probably not going to get much of a look in. But if you can do that for a number of games to the end of the season, then it could be worth you know very very important points. And obviously, when Luke, Luke Berry scores, Luton don't lose as well. So that's always a, a nice little bonus. That is very true. Um... We have to give Rob Edwards a lot of credit, don't we? Because Gabe Osher went off roughly midway through the second half um, with injury. And it would have been easy. And there'd have been a lot of managers who just put Bradley on in his place, move Tom Lockyer to the right of the defence and crack on as was. But he didn't do that. He brought Luke Berry on, put more goals on the pitch, as he said, and got rewarded with Luke Berry scoring that equaliser. Yeah, yeah. Not for the first time as well. He's a very progressive uh, manager when it comes to substitutes and obviously Nathan always used to call them game changers but he sort of as he as he has done with many aspects of this team sort of taking it up a notch as well um, I think it helped the fact that Mill had virtually nothing to do in Luton's Luton's, uh, Luton's defensive third and somehow found themselves the two goals I mean they only had three shots uh, one of them was straight at Horvath. Horvath still went in. <laughs> one of them should have been ruled offside, and I can't remember the other. I think maybe Horvath did did, did redeem himself somewhat, didn't he? So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think it's made easier by by that fact that they were hanging on for dear life and seemed quite comfortable at that point. Like I say, they were doing a good job of stifling them. But um, yeah, Jordan Clark obviously found found a little bit of space and decent pass into. Bearing and he did the rest. Um, don't know about you, you sit in the Kenny, you saw that one, but it seemed to me like it took a million years to go in that. I mean, it was a good strike, but it just felt like this is the chance, it's the only chance again. It, it's got to, it's got to hit the net, uh, but it was a wonderful, wonderful. Strike. Yeah, thankfully, the angle I'm at, I could see it was going in, the goalkeeper couldn't see it, so uh, 
took away some of the anxiety, but yeah, no, brilliant. And like you say, Luke Berry is absolutely fantastic at that. And then the last game before um, this podcast, Tony, was Saturday against Swansea. Uh, I painted the picture of um, mm. expecting an awful lot of passing from the opposition with Soddall in the way of end product. And they didn't disappoint me, but thankfully their goalkeeper didn't have much end product either. And he, he, he well, he did a Horvath and gave it straight to um, Carlton Morris to tuck away. Yeah, world class finish. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't think Carlton will have an, e- an easier goal than the one he scored on Saturday. But again, it was a good performance. I I, I quite enjoyed the game. Um, you know, with Swansea, yeah, they as Rob Edwards said last night, they they rotate and they play the ball about and they pass and they look to break break you down. But I thought, you know, unfortunately for them, they they. Um, haven't got anybody in the final third that can put the ball in the back of the net. And they didn't get the rub of the green this time where they, they you know, last season they got three uh, wicked deflections that enabled them to come back from 3-0 down. And, and you know, we, we, we never looked in any sort of um, trouble at all throughout the game. I mean, once we went in front, I thought, and they're not going to come back into it. I, I would like to have seen us, you know, add another couple of goals, but one nil is good enough and, and the performance is good. You know, we, we're not, um, you know, doing what we used to do under under Nathan when uh, a lot of the time at home you'd think we were the away side because we'd sit back and allow the opposition to play. Um, whereas now we're, we're more likely to get off to... A, a, you know, start on the front foot and and look pretty good, and and we're not looking to knock the ball f- over the top forward. You know, we're we're passing it through the midfield now, so yeah, it's fine. And and I, th- I think I said it before the game on Saturday that the difference between uh, Swansea and Millwall was Millwall are a long ball team and and they don't mess about. Them. So our our high press wouldn't work against those. You'd have to have a different a, a approach. Whereas on Saturday, the way Swansea play, it was tailor made for our high pressing game. You know, and a lot of the time it wasn't working for them. And and our players run themselves into the ground. And and you know, it was hard to pick a man of the match from it. I don't think anybody put a foot wrong on Saturday. Uh, I think Cody got man of the match, but for me personally, it was Gabe Osho. You know, from the, the couple of errors he made earlier in the month, he's more than made up for it with, he, with his uh, performances now. I think he's been outstanding. And I, I actually like that combination of, of those three centre-halves. You know, it, 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 it's, you know, Osho, Lockyer and Bell look just as good as when, when we've got um, Rhys Burke in there. And, uh, you know, uh, all three of them, are capable of bringing the ball out, you know, and and, and we, we are looking good and it's good to see a bit more passing and, uh, you know, and, and, and marvellous playing well in front of the back, the back three has enabled Pelly and Clicker to push further forward. Um, so, and, and they're all playing well, you know, I know it was brought up last night at the meet the manager about Alan Clark, Alan Campbell, sorry, Alan Clark. Alan Campbell not uh, getting in the side, but that's because the other three have been playing so well. 
It was yeah. ironic that he was brought up last night, considering Campbell did get in the side on Saturday. Yeah. And actually, James, that's to Rob Edwards' credit as well, because he recognised that it was a game perfectly tailor-made for Campbell. Brought him in, and again, he wasn't disappointed because Campbell was involved in putting the ball out to Doughty for the goal. That uh, Well, I mean, can't miss. Well, Carlton Morris couldn't miss, could he? If he missed that, you know, professional career comes to an end, really. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, I thought he was very good actually, Alan Campbell. You, you always know what you're going to get with him, um, and he, yeah, he has been unfortunate. You know, we we loved him last season, what he did, but Jordan Clark's been a revelation, and Pelly has been fantastic since he's come back into the side. So mm. it's the same as Luke Berry. Neither of them done anything wrong. Both got fantastic attributes. Um, I guess the good thing is that you can, that you've got that flexibility when you when you're playing these sides and. Um, I always thought that Campbell would be a good shout against Swansea because he really, they, t- they couldn't handle him last time, um, uh, particularly in the first half uh, at Kenworth Road. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's good to see that he come back in. I think um, I would imagine Clark and Pelly still, you know, on, on the balance of what they've been doing, will get in ahead next time. But um, um, I hope it doesn't dishearten him. At, at the moment doesn't look like it didn't look like it in his performances and I spoke to him afterwards and he seemed obviously going to be disappointed if you're not playing obviously but um, he, he seemed quite level-headed about it and stuff like that so so that's good to hear um, as did Luke Berry actually to be fair yeah, to him after I, the game yeah even I was going to say that they're saying the right things aren't they they're saying the right things and they understand they see it you know that they are playing so well the other three that it's hard for them to get back in which is good for us to decide because when they do get in the team, they've got to up their game to to maintain it. So it, 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 it's good for everybody. That's definitely in the case of Barry. I think he's managed to do that. <coughs> the, the level has stepped up. Um, you know, who would have seen that much of the League Two, League One side is slowly starting to um, to be eased out. Uh, that's for the wrong term, actually, but. You know, their, their time would soon be over when Luton are now looking to championship level players, but he's clearly able to cope in that division. Um, you know, the fact that he's not got a lot of minutes is, is not because he's not doing the business, I'd say. No, it's definitely a, a plus on the others. And of course, James, everyone loves a good old tear up. And uh, <laughs> it was probably more handbags than a tear up, to be fair. It was a right old um, shenanigans going on down that side. You know, Russell Martin sent off, Richard Carl sent off, and uh, it's just it's just a talking point, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I know. I know we shouldn't really, but we love them, don't we? We love a rough like that. <laughs> yeah. It gets everybody up, everybody excited. It was a both bench effort as well. Fair play, everyone piled in, and um, uh, you know, if we, you know, we we will come on to refs, obviously, and it probably be mostly about uh, Messers, Jerry, Jeremy Simpson, and Jeff. Uh, Eltring, I would imagine, but I thought Dean Whitestone actually he had a decent game against a Swansea, and um, he can earn extra brownie points there because you know Edwards was at the forefront of that little melee to start with in the initial scuffles, and he decided to send off uh, Richie Carl and Russell Martin as well. So that's a bit of a, <laughs> a, a good mark against his name. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, literally fighting our way to three points. Um, also, also, uh, I just like to, um, if any, if there are any Swansea fans, uh, what listen to this on the off chance, 
seeing as their comeback last season was sponsored by deflections. How do they like those apples when Doughty's cross came off their player and landed in the uh, the path of uh, Morris? Indeed, that was uh, (laughs) karma, I think they call that. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Um, Great win. Uh, Continues our fine record against Welsh sides in recent times, uh, with the exception of Newport, obviously. Uh, Cup games don't count. Um, so two wins, three draws and a defeat from the month. Nine points for six games. It's not what you would call promotion form, but it was good enough to keep us fifth in the table ahead of three huge games, which we will preview in part two of the podcast. But before we do that, we'll go through a couple of player focuses, and as we always do. Um, I'll stick with you, actually, James. Because going into Saturday's game and after an awful lot of games, I keep on reading on social media and I know I shouldn't judge anything on social media, but I still keep on reading that Alan Campbell should be playing ahead of Marvellous Nakamba. Now, there's two things on that. First of all, Marvellous Nakamba and Alan Campbell play two different roles, as was explained by Rob Edwards last night. I don't need to emphasise on that. But secondly, anyone who cannot see what Marvellous Nakamba brings to this team Please, 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 please open your eyes. I'll just give you one statistic which tells you everything that Marvellous and Nakamba brings to this team. In those six matches that we've just discussed, the only goals Luton conceded from open play in that time was one that Horvath literally chucked in and a goal that was so offside it was on a different cut of grass to where the ball was. They are the only times we've conceded from open play whilst Nakamba's been in the side. Is this a coincidence? No, it's not because he is a brilliant shield of the defence and he is so good on the ball and he is so aware of where that ball is going to be. It's frightening. Disgust. For me, he is a fantastic addition to this side. He is. All the reasons you said there, Kev. I mean, he's playing in front of a pretty miserly defence anyway. When you add him in there, there's no surprise that they went, you know, seven games uh, without conceding the goal from open play, um, and like you say, you know probably should have should have ex- extended uh, in the Millwall game. Uh, he's, he, I think he suffers with those um, so-called, dare I say it, <laughs> armchair supporters. Uh, he'll probably suffer because he's not flashy in any way, but everything he does is simple and it's effective. And it not only breaks up attacks or shields defence and, and, and lets them get into good positions, particularly when you've got a centre-back three, but he's uh, got good ability on the ball and he, he, he can break out, as well as some of the defenders as well. So it seems like anyone who now gets the ball can now uh, now has an opportunity to break through lines, which is why you're seeing more football being played in the middle of the park and is why probably Jordan Clark and Pelly are being so influential because they're not constantly watching um and no disrespect to him, Matty Pearson pump out the pitch over their over their heads, um, that sort of thing. So um uh, yeah, I think it is it's a great addition. And you know, for the fact he hasn't played for so long as well, it it, it suggests that things are only going to get better in terms of his performances. And also, when these defenders go up and they carry the ball through the lines and they go up the pitch, who's the one who's there filling in for, should they lose the ball? Uh, yeah, that would be marvellous. Nakamba, it's, um, 
He knows exactly what he's doing. And what I love about the guy, Dan, is this is a fellow who's got more caps than JD Sports for his country. Other hey. sports works, other sports outlets are available. Here we go. He's, he's, he's played in the Champions League. He's played in the Premier League. He's been signed yeah. for 12 million quid. And now all of a sudden he's come down to the Championship to, for the want of a better phrase, a little old Luton. And he's humble enough to get the ball and just give it to the players who attack better than what he does. And I just love that personality about him. Yeah, I think I think you, when you've played in those sort of levels, as as marvelous has done, you know, for his country, Champions League, top levels, wherever he's been, to take the step down. I mean, that that shows. I mean, I hate the word character in football because I think it's massively overused, but it does show tremendous character because. It can be. It can take a lot, I think, for a professional footballer to admit that. Okay, I haven't played for X amount of months. But perhaps I'm not quite at the level I need to be at to continue playing at this level. Um, maybe I need to take an opportunity and drop down a division for a, a, a bit. Whether it's whether he's here temporarily, I, I suspect it'll be till the summer, um, rather than long term. Depends on our situation. Um, I, I think it shows tremendous character and Luton have really benefited from that because as Edward said when we signed it we haven't really got anybody that whose game is solely focused on breaking up attacks and bringing others into it and you know and, and all those things that he does he does it so well and the thing I've noticed about him as well is he, he makes it look so it's simple and he you know there's it, just a touch of class about him as well and I've noticed that the um, social media posts are, are up in the thousands for likes now, um, mainly from Zimbabweans as well. So you know, it, he's brought a, a more a bigger appeal to the football club which, as well, which is a good thing because you know we, we've we've had the little old Luton tag and the underdog tag for a long time, and I like Edwards' stance that you know we want to be like favourites going into games and bringing people in like Nakamba is a testament to. Um, attempt to reach those levels so I, th- I think he's like, like you say I think he's been absolutely first class in every sense of the world and and yeah absolutely brilliant really looking forward to seeing more of him in the remaining uh, quarter of the season or third of the season yeah quarter third however you want to uh, yeah 11 however games you to, yeah, <laughs> however you want to do it uh, Tony what have you made of Marvellous <clears throat> Nakamba I mean you know it, if we do go up this season, there's no doubt in my mind one of the reasons why we go up this season is because he's come in and he just sits in front of that defence. Not just because of what he's done in the defensive record that I pointed out at the start of this conversation. James just mentioned it as well. He releases Jordan Clark. He releases Pelly Rudder-Kampansu. He keeps the two strikers further up the pitch because they don't. not everyone needs to keep dropping back Cause, just because they trust him, because they know how good he is and he's reliable. Yeah, and he, he, he's got that experience and... You can see he's an excellent reader of the game. You know, during during it, he 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 put he's not frightened to put his foot in. He'll do that, and as it's already been said, he'll give it to the players that can be more positive and more creative. And as well as that, you can see he, he's playing with a smile on his face, um, and it, it's absolutely superb to have somebody in that defensive role. Who, who has got that ability and that experience. And it, it's something that this side is, is desperately needed. You know, um, up until he joined, it was like, yeah, you know, he, he, Penny had been playing there, Clicker had been playing there, and, and Alan Clark, and it hadn't worked, you know. But now it is. And 
the guy is only going to get better, you know. And, and, and what I love as well is you've got him there in midfield, he'll cover, he'll drop back, whether it's into the centre, it's to the left or it's to the right. You know, if, if one of the defenders gets uh, caught up the pitch or whatever, he, he knows what it is, he knows where the ball's going, he knows where the danger is and he can read the, that game. And then you've got just behind him a defender in Tom Lockyer who's just as good at reading the game as well. And it, it's made a hell of a difference to us. It's already been, been said, you know, we, we haven't got a particular leaky defence. We're, we're quite good defensively. But he's only made it better. And, you know, the fact he hasn't played for a while as well is, is shown. But the guy is only going to get better and better and better. And uh, I'd love to think that he he could join us on a permanent basis, but I can't see that happening. But it's been a fantastic move. And, um you know, as, as, as we said last night, he, it's been a fantastic bit of business for the football club, for what he's brought to us and for what he's getting from us, you know. And, and uh, from what I've heard within the club, he's like a, a breath of fresh air in the club. He, he, he's brought in a lot of fun and, he, you know, he, he seems to be buying into the net ethos and, you know, you live in hope that the financial side of it will let us down. But, you never know. He could be one of these players that just falls in love with the club. And I hope or, that or he could lead us up and then the financial yeah. situation isn't as big an issue yeah. as it would be right now. Uh, leads the tackles uh, in this 11 since you come into it, uh, tackles per game. Uh, and what that does is that means that a lot of teams no longer can go through the middle of us like they were at the start of the season. They now have to go wide. When they go wide, they put crosses in. Tom Lockyer's eyes light up. Thank you very much. We'll head everything away. That's why we're not conceding goals. So we love We Al on this podcast. We really do. But Marvellous Nakamba has got that defensive role absolutely stitched up for as long as he's fit for the remainder of the season, as Dan said. Um, James, Gay Bosho, we had him on the podcast last season and he was just transitioning into a defensive midfield role. We all agreed that we quite liked him there. But obviously Rob Edwards doesn't partly because we've just brought Marvellous Nakamba in, partly because we can never put three fit bloody centre-backs together for more than one week anyway. But also because he is ideal for Rob Edwards' way of playing football as a defender, isn't he? Um, so comfortable on the ball. Probably the most comfortable alongside Reese Burke uh, on the ball that we've got defensively. But he's pretty good defensively. He's got pace uh, in case he is caught out. Uh, he's been unfortunate with a couple of penalties as Tony said about that Burnley one that should have been a free kick long before it got anywhere near him um, but he is improving all the time and this last month the time that we've been covering uh, in this particular episode of the podcast he's been brilliant Yeah I mean take those two penalty things out of the equation and uh, this lad is top class uh, and you know that's the life of a defender sometimes you're going to give away penalties one of them I don't think should have been given as a penalty and the other one, probably a bit reckless, but take that out of it. And he is shaping up to be an absolutely top draw player that we thought he might be. Um, and he's had to manage uh, injuries and <laughs> two red cards, which haven't helped his cause. But um, yeah, the fact that Reese Burke can't string seven games in a row together um, means he comes in. And you're right, both players can do a very similar job. I mean, I asked... Rob about Osho after the Swansea game because um, 
he did so much of that. Uh, and, you know, he can read the game very well. He's got pace if he needs it to get back. But once he's got the ball, then he's so progressive with it, um, whether that's, um, you know, looking for a pass between the lines or just beating a couple of um, players as well. Um, and I, so I think that, you know, people have a, people jumped on him too quickly with those penalty decisions, I think. And there was a lot of backlash about it. I felt for him a little bit. Um, but everything else he's done has, um, has been top draw and it, it, he's he's going to be um, some player. Yeah, he really is, Dan. I mean, he's, um, as I said at the start of this piece, he's played in a few positions for us. He's, uh, you know, he himself was was on about transitioning into a defensive midfielder. And the reason why he was doing that, I suspect, when we spoke to him on the podcast last season, was because we looked pretty good defensively with um, Cal Naismith with Sonny Bradley, with Tom Lockyer, with Reese Burke, you know, he probably looked at it and he thought maybe my best way into the team is defensive midfield. And that kind of shows you the kind of attitude and ambition that he's got. He wants to, he wants to be in the team. He wants to play and he wants to prove himself when he's there. And as, as I said um, a minute ago, this last few weeks, he's certainly done that. Yeah, definitely. I think he's been, um, you know, he, like you say, I think the, the, the desire to learn a new position shows that a great willingness to adapt, you know, because I, I think in a football team, if I'm putting a team of players together, if I've got a squad of 23 players or, or for argument's sake, I'd like to think that barring the goalkeepers, you've got players in outfield positions that can do more than one position because you are going to get injuries. Like you say, we've, had, we've not had Sonny Bradley for the best part of the season. Reese Burke can't, can't do several games in a season that only really, I mean, when you look at it, uh, Amari Bell's had to adapt as well um, to fit in at centre-half. And Osho had to fill in at um, holding last year. Potts has re- made himself into a centre-half, but he's injured. So to play the way we play, you need three centre defenders, but you also need two of those, two, two for each position, essentially six. Um of the only way for him to get in the squad last year was to adapt. So he's, he's done really well. But what I've been really impressed with him is when he first started this run of games recently, he looked a bit shaky at times. I said at Coventry, he looked a bit shaky and he sort of struggled with Giocca's at the start. Um, and there were mistakes in him, like giving away silly penalties. Um, the Coventry one, it was, you know, it's just experience. The strikers used experience to um, win the penalty there. And the handball was just ridiculous, really. It's just unlucky. You'll, you'll see them given, you'll see them not given. Um, doesn't make him a bad player. And I think he's he's steadily growing. He impressed me at holding mid last year. He's no Nick Amber in that sense, but he, he did a steady enough job. Um, he plays with a smile on his face and he's really coming into some form now. And I think Rob Edwards has shown a, a huge amount of trust and when it, as a footballer, if the manager's doing that, you you grab the chance by the by the scruff of the neck and you take the chances and make the most of it. And he's certainly doing that. And he's becoming, he's emerging into a key player, I'd say. It's probably a bit early to suggest that, but I think there's potential there for him to be a really, really good central defender slash holding midfielder if he carries on with the, with the attitude he's got and the way he's playing. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, Tony, 24 years old. Nowhere near his best yet. Still, you know, still got plenty to learn. Still got plenty of time to do that learning. Obviously, we think he's out of contract in the summer, so we hope that gets sorted out. We certainly don't want him leaving at this stage of uh, his career. But um, certainly a player on the up. Oh, definitely. And 
he's only going to get better. He's uh, been so impressive. You know, he, he, he actually reminds me of Emerson Boyce. You know, when Boyce started his, his career, for, at first, he, he, very similar. Um, and I, I, I'm reminded of um, the game that uh, Tom Lockyer got his uh, red card. Was it the Birmingham game you missed, Tom? Burnley. Uh, oh, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Birmingham. Yeah, Birmingham game. And I was really worried about our central defence there because of uh, Jukovic and, and, and what a bully he can be. And I thought, we're missing Lockyer, that experience and everything else. But I tell you what, Osho was outstanding. You know, and, and all three of the centre-backs rose to the game. They weren't bullied. They imposed themselves and they looked good. And um, I think, uh, well, as I said, I, 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 for me, Osho was man of the match on Saturday. Um, he's putting those performances in. Again, I, I agree with what Dan said about he's been unfortunate with the penalty shouts. And he's had a bit of criticism over it, which has been unfair. But I think yeah. a lot of that's come from the heat of the moment where we've been in, in a winning position. And because of unfortunate incidents, um, you know, uh, we haven't won. Um, he he learnt from the incident earlier in the season at Watford where he lost his head and he's he's one of these players he, he goes along he learns from it and he he, he he wants to improve his game he's keen to 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 be a part of that Luton side and be a mainstay in it and I've got the greatest respect in the world for Gabe Osher because you know, at that age, you know, the incidents that have happened, that 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 sort of thing has destroyed, you know, other young players. But he's not, he's learning from it. And, and I think that give him 18 months, two years, if if we can keep hold of him, I think we're going to have an exceptional player on our hands. Yeah, we definitely are. Um, James, is he benefiting from the Rob Edwards uh, environment that you can make mistakes without consequence? Because... You have to be brave on the ball to play in a Rob Edwards um, system, and he is that. And he's that, that ultimately just bringing the ball out. You're going to lose it eventually, you know, eventually. But he's got that freedom now, hasn't he? And he seems to be thriving under that. Yeah, he seems to be. I mean, I, always, I, do, I do find it funny where um, people criticise that sort of that ethos of he's got. You've got to be able to make mistakes. You know, football's games are won and lost on mistakes. If there were no mistakes, it would be nil-nil all the time. But I think it's kind of a very British attitude where we don't allow that. <laughs> we don't allow flair to come out. Everything has to be, like, simple. You hear it all the time around the ground. Get it in the mixer, that sort of old-fashioned view. <laughs> Which, you know, is fine if if you're playing some good football to get up there to put it get in those positions. But you're not just lumping it up or anything. Um, but yeah, the way Luton want to play, um, everyone's given an opportunity to get involved in uh, this play. I'm really enjoying it, to be fair. Um, it's not to say I didn't enjoy um, the football under Nathan Jones, uh, but you know the, the, the achievements that he made, of course. But if football, you've got to evolve or you, you stand still or you go backwards. And um, uh, they've got what, what they've done with the recruitment of defenders. Uh, and considering the injuries and suspensions and everything that's gone this season, 
it doesn't seem that whoever goes into that back line, they can all do the job that's required of them, um, which is why, you know, Osho's slotted in, slotted in perfectly well. Um, and you've got to give credit, I think, to the recruitment, the recruitment people from what they saw of him at, uh, at Reading. And sometimes these things take a little while to bed in and, 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 and look like they found their right place. And I think Osho has. Yeah, I agree. He yeah, he definitely has. It's it's funny, isn't it? Because he kind of had his own game of musical chairs along that back line because there was uh, Preston, he started on the left-hand side of the three. And then uh, obviously against um, Burnley, he was there as well. And then uh, Lockyer got sent off, so he was in the middle against um, Birmingham. And then he was back on the right-hand side again against Millwall and against um, Swansea. So he's covering all three of those positions. He's covering them really, really well. And he's just in good form. And as I said, really, really hope that he uh, extends his contract, if indeed it needs extending, and uh, that we get the best of him um, in the years to come because he's still really approaching his prime. So, uh, yeah, full credit to Gabe Osho. And um, long may his form continue. And long may that of, uh, well, everyone's form continue, really. That's it for the first part of the podcast. Uh, stay with us, social part two, where we will finish a look at the starting eleven from that game at Man City almost 40 years ago. And we'll discuss some of the current and uh, future issues, not least the football white paper and power courts. So that's what's coming part two. But for part one, thanks very much for listening. And uh, well, part two will be up soon.